Hi, welcome to Retrieving Reason podcast. This is episode four, and we'll be discussing common ground. Last time, we discussed proto-epistemology, and we said that this is a necessary existential starting point for doing uh, a new foundation in epistemology, and it had to do with whether we're seeking or not seeking to know. So uh, maybe an attitudinal starting point. But today we want to talk about common ground as a necessary methodological starting point for discourse, for settling disputes, and in epistemology there are many disputes that need to be settled. So this is our starting point. And if you recall, we're talking about foundation, a foundation for epistemology, and uh, we're doing some ground clearing. So last time was ground clearing in our thinking that uh, prevents us from doing good epistemology, getting knowledge. Uh, Today we want to clear the ground of uh, difficulties in conversations. So we need common ground. Think about that. A common ground for building. So if I have a, a ground and you have a ground and we're starting from the same point, then perhaps we can build together. So common ground is a way to find unity in our discussions. And uh, I've talked about common ground before in other contexts, so uh, this may sound familiar, but uh, I think we need it. I think we need common ground if we're going to get going. Uh, Once we have common ground, then we can have, uh, we can get the cornerstone for building and the cornerstone is reason. So I want to start with talking about reason, but I also want to give you a rain check, giving myself uh, the opportunity, giving myself allowance to talk in more depth about reason as we go. So the four pieces of common ground briefly are going to be reason, the laws of thought, integrity, a commitment to reason, the principle of clarity, that some things are clear to reason, and rational presuppositionalism, which is a method for getting to what is more basic. So I want to talk about these in a little more depth, starting with reason, the cornerstone. This is the cornerstone for epistemology, and it's the cornerstone for common ground. And we need to talk about the laws of thought a little bit, and I'm just going to do it briefly here, not really entertaining a lot of um, potential objections, but just going over the laws of thought. Uh, So the reason in itself is the laws of thought. So this is how we're going to define reason. It's the laws of thought. And that starts with the law of identity, which says that A is A. A thing is what it is. Uh, Then we have the law of non-contradiction, which says something can't be both A and non-A in the same respect and at the same time. And then we have the law of excluded middle, which says something is either A or it is non-A. So these laws... Uh, are discovered by Aristotle. They're written down by Aristotle in his Metaphysics, book four, which is interesting because it's not his logic. It's the book where he's talking about being. So I hope to go into that a little bit in the future as well. Why does he put uh, the laws of thought in that book? But we have these laws and some might say, well, these are just laws. They don't have any content. Um, That's true but we can talk about what the laws are. So we have laws of thinking. And we uh, have said in the past that it's self-evident that we are thinkers. If we doubt that we're thinking, we're thinking. 
And it's also self-evident that there are laws for thinking, just as there are laws for physical beings, so there's laws for thinking. And uh, these are the laws. And other uh, things are built upon these laws. Maybe logic assumes these laws. So we have the laws of thought. Um, now, why is this a part of common ground? Because the laws of thought help us to A, find meaning. The law of identity helps us to find meaning. A is A, a thing is what it is. Uh, human is human. Being is being. Justice is justice. So it enables us to define things and identify and distinguish things, which is very necessary in conversations. We need to know what we mean when we're using words. Um, we also have the law of non-contradiction, which helps us to see contradictions. And contradictions are meaningless. If I say being is non-being, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. I've lost meaning there. So reason is going to help us to find meaning and that's what we're doing when we're having conversations with one another, especially about contentious things. So reason, the laws of thought. Um, they're laws, they're not invented by humans, they're discovered, and they are necessary for common ground. Okay, the next piece is integrity. Think about that word, integrity. What does it mean, integer? wholeness. Um, there's a, a unity between what we say and what we do in integrity. So we are rational beings and integrity says you should act like a rational being. Uh, you say you're rational, then you should act consistently with your rationality. Um, so this has to do with a commitment to reason. If we're having a conversation and reason is our tool for conversing, then we should be committed to reason, which means we're not going to consciously or unconsciously uh, give up reason in our conversations. And if we do, we should stop conversing. The conversation stops there. So integrity has to do with having, quote unquote, skin in the game when we're, we're discussing. It's not just a game. It's... I'm invested in it because I want to know. So conversations have, um, have a goal, have a purpose. And, and the purpose is to find meaning together and hopefully to make progress in knowing things. So if we say we can't know things and we want to have a conversation, what's the point? So if we're committed to position, <clears throat> if we say, I don't know, uh, we can't have knowledge, then we should have integrity and be willing to live with the implications of that commitment. Live with the implications of saying nobody can really know or we can't really have any meaning. Uh, there is no objective meaning. Uh, live with that and, and, and see what the, the consequences are. Um, and also stop talking because if we give up the laws of thought, we give up the possibility of meaning and uh, talking is, is pointless, okay? So uh, this has to do with the ethics of belief. We should be willing to uh, back up what we say. We should be willing to give reasons for what we believe. So integrity is uh, consistency between what we say and what we do. And it's having skin in the game, okay? It's necessary for common ground. The third piece is 
the principle of clarity. Okay, this is the third piece for common ground, the principle of clarity. And the principle of clarity, notice it's a principle, and uh, it says that some things are clear to reason. All right, so let's think about that. It's not saying all things, some things. At least this thing I'm saying right now is clear to reason. And what does it mean to be clear? Clear means it's readily knowable that if we were rational and we had integrity, then we would know it. It's not uh, hidden. So some people object to this. Well, I don't know what clear means. Um, that also seems a little absurd to say. It's not clear to me what clear means. I think we know what clear means. It's readily knowable. And it's clear to reason. Why? Because reason is the tool that grasps, grasps meaning. So we're looking for things that clearly have meaning. So some things are clear to reason. Um, now, what are the things that are clear to reason? Basic things. Basic things about epistemology. How do I know? Basic things about what is real or what is eternal. And uh, what is the good life? So our basic beliefs are clear to reason. Now, uh, clear doesn't mean subjectively clear, like, oh, I don't see it, therefore it's not clear. Something could be objectively clear and subjectively we don't see it. And we don't see it because proto-epistemology, remember? Maybe we're not seeking, maybe we're using the wrong methods, maybe we're thinking badly, maybe we're believing false things. So something could be clear to reason and we're not seeing it subjectively because there's something blocking us. And that should uh, make us stop and think, well, if I don't see it, why is that? Okay, but if we deny that some things are clear to reason, we say, no, uh, nothing's clear to reason, then what I'm saying right now is also not clear to reason and anything we say is not clear to reason and we should stop using words. So again, the integrity piece, if you say nothing is clear to reason, you should be willing to live with the implications of saying that, then uh, what you're saying right now is also not clear and uh, you should stop talking. And I should stop listening, right? I have a moral obligation not to listen to nonsense. Okay, principle of clarity. Necessary piece for common ground. The fourth, fourth piece of common ground is rational presuppositionalism. That's a big word, but uh, it just means presupposed. Uh, what we uh, assume in uh, a conversation, but this is rational presuppositionalism. So we don't want to just have assumptions, but we want to have assumptions that we can back up and prove by reason. So there's a logical order in our thinking from more basic to less basic. We've already seen it in the very idea of a foundation and building. So uh, the, the method that we're using in epistemology here is rational presupposition. We're gonna start with the most basic and I'm saying the laws of thought is the most basic and then we're gonna start building uh, to less basic things. So uh, epistemology is more basic than metaphysics. Metaphysics is more basic than ethics. And uh, the good is more basic than virtue and happiness in ethics. So we do have uh, 
an order to our thinking and rational presuppositionalism is just drawing our attention to that order and saying if we obey this order, if we get back to what is more basic and find agreement there, then we can agree on what is less basic. So let's say if we can find agreement in epistemology, perhaps we can find agreement in metaphysics and ethics. That would be great, right? And we'd be on our way to gaining unity. And that's the goal. I think that's the goal of uh, having conversations and doing philosophy. All right, so rational presuppositionalism, uh, it's getting back to what is more basic. So I might use the, the phrase, let's drill down. That means get back to what's more basic. Let's go back a step. Where we disagree with one another, we should stop and say, hmm, is there something we're assuming here or somebody's assuming here that we haven't uh, agreed upon and we haven't recognized that we're assuming it? Let's back up. Okay, so we have reason integrity, the principle of clarity, and rational presuppositionalism as four pieces for uh, common ground. Now, um, someone might say, well, I think there might be something else that's uh, necessary for common ground. I invite that. If you find something else, if you've got a better plan for common ground, then I would love to hear from you on that. Uh, if you think one of these pieces is not necessary, or you think these together are not sufficient, please let me know uh, because I'd love to get to what is common ground. What is better than this? If you've got a proposal, let me know. All right, now we've talked about what common ground is. Let's contrast it with what it's not. So common ground is not neutral ground. Uh, common ground really makes some people nervous because they think, well, if... Uh, one person is claiming truth and another person's claiming truth and they contradict each other, then where is there uh, a common ground for finding truth? Um, that's not what's being said here. Common ground is not neutral ground. Uh, it's a, a, a starting point, but we uh, reason from different assumptions. So when we start to answer the questions, how do I know what is real? What is the good life? We have different assumptions. Common ground is the tool that allows us to back up, examine our assumptions, and hopefully uh, give proof, reasons for our assumptions. So if we had integrity, then we would know, not just assume, what is clear. And with the, uh, the rational presuppositionalist method and with reason, we'd be able to argue for or prove our assumptions. So it's not just, I have an assumption, I don't know if it's true or not, it's I have an assumption and here's why I think it's true and I'm going to use my uh, reasoning to prove it to you. I'm going to give you an argument. So common ground is not neutral and it's possible that common ground leads us to the existence of God. What if it does? Then we have to deal with that. It might be uncomfortable, it might be, not be something that you like, but uh, it, it's not uh, neutral ground. Okay, common ground is not optional. Uh, if we're going to live in a world together and we have disagreements with one another, and these are highly contentious disagreements like life or death issues, then it's not optional to not have common ground. So either this is common ground or someone comes up with something better, but we need it. We can't do without it and it's becoming more and more apparent. 
that we need common ground if we're going to find meanings, find meaning and settle disputes that we have. So big philosophical disputes, life or death disputes. So it's not an option. So uh, I say we spend time on this and think about it critically and uh, assess whether this these four pieces are common ground. Um, and it's not avoidable. Common ground is unavoidable. We're at a point in history where we're coming together on a global scale. We're all arguing with each other on the internet. And uh, we can't avoid finding some way to converse with one another. And if we don't, we see what's happening. We'll resort to power. Uh, we will use force if we don't have the force of reason and argument on our side. And yes, reason and argument is power. It's a force, but it's not a physical force and it doesn't dehumanize. It recognizes you're rational, I'm rational. Let's use the force of reason to persuade one another rather than dehumanizing one another and using uh, brute force to get what we want. All right, so common ground is not neutral. It's not optional. It's not avoidable. One more thing about avoidable, I have mentioned in the beginnings of this podcast that we have inherited an epistemological debt. And either we uh, address that debt, that deficit, or we pass it on to the future. And so again, if we don't find common ground, we will pass that debt on to the future and it's going to be compounded. So I say, uh, we take on this challenge now. It's necessary for epistemology, okay? Because epistemology is foundational to philosophy and common ground is foundational to settling disputes. So come, let's reason together. Okay, so today we talked about common ground, a necessary methodological starting point for discourse, for doing epistemology, the four pieces are reason, integrity, the principle of clarity, and rational presuppositionalism. And this common ground is unavoidable. And so I hope to use this going forward as we get into more contentious issues. Uh, so next time, I want to explore the question, what is knowledge and is knowledge possible? We'll look at some of the classic objections to uh, the definition of knowledge that allegedly comes down to us through Plato. And then uh, in the contemporary period, I'll say contemporary, last 50, 60 years, gets questioned by Edmund Gettier and uh, attempted to uh, answer these objections uh, through attempts to answer these objections through Alvin Plantinga. So next time we'll talk about the Gettier problems. We'll talk about how uh, these questions about the definition of knowledge lead to skepticism and how uh, maybe there have been fideistic responses to those objections. Okay, also I want to talk about the uh, fourth condition. So what is the definition of knowledge? Is there some fourth condition and what might it be? All right, that's a cliffhanger for you. Again. Thank you for joining Retrieving Reason podcast. And uh, if you're enjoying these shows, then please like, subscribe, and share. And I'll see you next time.